It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Yo, man. Boom, it's Rusty. I hope I got that boom in there. Got that all right. Thank you guys, everyone, for joining the pub podcast, episode 401. We're past the 400. Um, I don't know if we'll get to 500 by the 10-year mark, but we may. I think that's kind of the goal-ish. But thank you, everyone, for listening and tuning in here on the Quantum Global Broadcasting Network, QGBN, with other great shows uh, that I co-host, such as When the Gloves Come Off, the Thinking Man's Pro Wrestling Podcast. This is it with Lizzie and Saved by the Ben, brought to you by Stoner Eats Productions, Red Ben Savage as fuck, Hypnosis is Great, Hardcore Comedy, and Sockemup.org. And again, yeah, thank you everyone for being here. I really appreciate it. Like, share, subscribe, do all that stuff. And let's get right into it. Let's, let's get into our conversation. I have a special guest here right here right now and i'm gonna bring on that special guest and we have nikki von ingen shrey now thank you you yeah you're very welcome thank you for being here and and showing up here um it's it's a lot easier to book uh not having to be anywhere near anyone anymore It's, uh, (laughs) it's weird um i don't know how this would have worked four years ago but today uh here we are and so uh first off so i wanted to ask about your cat uh, (laughs) if 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 that's something so you have you have the bubble backpack yes i do and so where how does the bubble backpack work um where where are you taking your cat where's your cat getting to explore that other cat's don't get to see (laughs) uh well i live in amsterdam and uh not too far from where i live is uh, called uh, amsterdam forest and it is uh, kind of a deceptive name because it is spread out not only over amsterdam but also bovenkerk and amstelveen which are two uh different municipalities um So yeah, that area, there's a huge lake and I really enjoy walking around the lake. I can send you some videos of uh, Miko and uh, myself walking around the lake. And then when he gets tired, uh, I just put the backpack down and I unzip it and he goes in by himself. And if he wants out, he'll start moving around or starts meowing and uh, put down the backpack and he goes out again. Or when we're walking and he gets tired, there's benches around the area and he'll jump on one of the ben- benches and lies down. So that's his sign. Like, okay, I've had enough. You can put me up there now. I put me back in the backpack. And yeah, I so, just want to watch. Too many so, dogs. Yeah, and so he's Miko is on a leash then. And yes, you have, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I tried. I, it's amazing that you got it to work. I've seen a few people be able to do it, and it's few and far between. Few and far between. Uh, I yeah. tried doing that. I lived in a place that had a 
it was like an indoor apartment complex and so i could take the cat through the hallways but put that put that leash on him he didn't want to move and then so almost have to drag him for a second then i was just like okay you know what this might not be the the way um the way to do it and just like yeah I like when i put the harness on in the beginning he was walking like this like what <laughs> what's going on and so i would put it on for five minutes go outside with the leash there's a little playground behind my house so we would just sit there for five minutes and then i would go back in take everything off and the next day again and again and again until he was more comfortable and then started walking like five, 10 minutes and then go back and slowly start to um, extend extend that. Um, and yeah, at first I was like, okay, so I'm just going to allow you to explore. You can go wherever you want. I'm not going to tug on the leash or anything like that. And uh, now he's at a point where if I don't like where he's going, I can just tug on it a little yeah. and he'll come and join me. And he understands basic commands like come here we're going home uh oh those kind of things so yeah and so are you seeing other people that are walking around their cats or uh carrying your cats and you're carrying the cats in the backpack oh no not at all i'm the only one i'm the crazy cat lady so um i don't know if you know this but the netherlands has a royal family and uh every year we celebrate the birthday of our king and uh, my friend asked me, why don't you bring the cat in the backpack? So we went out to celebrate the king's birthday. Everyone is dressed in orange because it's our national color. Uh, and the cat was just walking around on the leash and just checking everything out and uh, saying hi to everyone. And a friend of mine was doing face paint. So he jumped on the people and was like, yeah, come on, pet me. I need to be center of attention here. <laughs> and so, yeah, cats just, cat loves it. Cats got the good yeah. life and everyone loves seeing the cat. And yeah, I, uh, yeah, I became the crazy cat guy and it's, it's all right. It's all right. People last or one of the times ago when I moved, um, Nobody said, oh, I'm going to, I'll see you later. It's like, oh, I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss your cat. And uh, I go, okay, well. I mean, I know. he, has, uh, he yeah. has his own Instagram account. A uh, friend oh. of mine started his uh, Miko Chan from Amsterdam Instagram account. And um, uh, most people assume he's a dog because they see me with the leash and they see <laughs> something shaped like a dog so then they come closer and like oh my god it's a cat that's so amazing and so uh so what what's on this channel for uh the miko chan from amsterdam instagram it's a mouthful yeah so uh yeah my friend uh, uploads some content sometimes so when he does something funny uh like he has a very strong personality and he's quite smart and he's very picky so I have like eight different kinds of treats and uh, we just line them up or I just hold a few of them and then he sniffs them all and then he head bumps the one that he likes so we did a challenge because another friend of mine has a dog so we went and see 
if the dog could do the same thing and she only had two different ones and then the dog got really anxious like i have no idea what you're trying to make me do here uh, please <laughs> don't ask me to make this difficult decision and the meat <laughs> can uh, choose between five different snacks and uh, we'll let you know which one he likes by sitting next to it or start head bumping it or whatever <laughs> So then, so Miko's got uh, someone following him around with the camera. Then, so oh, yeah, yeah, while yeah. while while you're out and about, you got you have someone with a camera uh, filming your cat. So what? How are people reacting to that when they're when they're seeing seeing this? Oh well, they're amazed. They want to take pictures. They're really crazy about him because he's quite unusual. He's a Scottish fold, so his ears are flapped over like this oh okay and, uh, in the netherlands everyone rides a bicycle so my friend often takes him out on the bike and she has him in a bubble backpack and then she's riding her bike and then people are like is that a cat in there is that a stuffed animal or is that real and they'll even stop and start taking pictures or wave or whatever so yeah he started you have do you have like a, a thing on there, like not a, like a QR code or a thing that says like at Miko? The... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I should totally do that. I, I haven't thought about it yet, but uh, yeah, we, we should totally do that. Oh, why, why not? Uh, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a good time in, in here. And so uh, does, does Miko, you said you, uh, you were traveling. So does he, does he go with you at all anywhere? Does he go on car rides or? Or, uh, I guess know, bike rides. Yeah, bike rides. And depending on how far it is, uh, I sometimes take him in the car as well. Like uh, the other side of the forest is in Bovenkerk, which is like 15 minutes by car. So sometimes I just take him by car and uh, just walk around the area and then go back by car. And then I'll take the backpack too. But in the car, he can just be, um, he doesn't have to sit inside the backpack. He can just walk around. He likes to sit on the back of the, uh, what is it? The um, hat thingy. Yeah. And outside and uh, look at the other people driving by. And people are like, what, what's that? Why does she have a cat in there? So, yeah, it's I fun. The question is, why don't they have a cat in there? Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> yeah, and his name also has a significance. So it's uh, comprised of two parts. The meek part is for his personality because he's quite meek and he doesn't. Uh, he's very easygoing and he doesn't. Um, he never scratches or bites. And then the call is a suffix uh, because. Um, I've lived in Japan for 10 years and ko uh, means child. So if there is a name, a first name, generally it's for girls, but doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. And if ko at the end, then it means child. Like uh, momoko means uh, peach child. So he is my meek oh. child. So. <laughs> and so uh, you got him in Amsterdam though, right? Not in... Japan. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a funny story because uh, I had another cat which was a cross between um, Maine Coons and uh, Ragdoll, 
and it had some kind of uh, genetic abnormality. So um, when it was like eight months old, it started to uh, get some kind of neural disorder and they had to down. So I was quite distraught about that. And then at the same time, a good friend of mine, uh, she moved to Spain. So Miko, his original name is actually Olive, but I thought it was more of a girl's name. Um, so she said, oh, Olive uh, can't go with us. And since your cat just passed away, would you mind taking him from us? So I was like, yeah, that would be great. I would love that. So that's how Miko came into my life. Good timing. Good yeah. timing. And um, that seems to have worked out pretty well. Got a, has a pretty good life. Yeah, for sure. That's yeah, it. he does. Yeah, he's very picky and very talkative. And he'll always... <laughs> let you know what's going on if if someone comes to the door he needs to say hi he might come over and uh, say hi to you as well because he's he always needs to be the center of attention but right now it's quite hot for dutch standards so maybe he's off exploring in the garden or trying to cool down because he has a very thick fur so he gets hot quite easily oh yeah yeah that'll happen uh pretty quickly with with that big uh Pick fur. I have a cat like one of my cats is like that. And yeah, I end up I buzz them, which is a weird thing too. Like uh, when you like uh, trim it down so the hair is like about this long. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he's uh, Siberian, so his undercoat is quite thick. Uh, like it, even in winter, he enjoys sitting out in the rain and then he comes back inside and he's completely drenched and wants to be petted or jumps onto the bed and like, get off, get off. Hold on, hold on, go dry off first. Yes. He's like, what? <laughs> and so then, okay, you said then uh, at that point, then you go to Japan. So for you lived in Japan for 10 years. So yes. what was it that was your appeal to go to Japan and I guess yeah that's my first question of that yeah well to be honest there wasn't any uh the reason I went to Japan is um back in 2004 I was kind of bored and my job wasn't very challenging so um my manager was like oh well as long as you finish your work within the amount of time set for it. If you finish early, you still need to be there so you can pick up the phone or answer questions or whatever. But in the meantime, you can do whatever you want. So I was uh, doing a lot of online dating at the time. There were no apps. In so 04? Uh, yeah, in 04, there were no wow. apps. So there was yeah. even Tinder didn't exist yet. So basically it was kind of a way to distract myself. And I wasn't really thinking that I would meet the man of my dreams. So my only criteria for meeting guys was, does this person have an interesting backstory and can they tell an engaging story for an hour? So I saw this guy who is Japanese and his whole profile was in Dutch. So I thought, hmm, that's interesting how... And he speaks Dutch so well. There must be some interesting story how he came to the Netherlands because it's quite unusual. Uh, so I was like, yeah, yeah, let's meet for lunch sometime. And uh, he told me that 
his uh, father was sent to Amsterdam in the 70s because then you still had the Iron Curtain with the USSR and everything. Uh, so okay. uh, tourism to Japan from Europe wasn't really a thing back then. So his father was tasked to start uh, the uh, Japan Tourist Bureau in Amsterdam and to start promoting tourism uh, from Amsterdam or Netherlands to Japan because back then you had to fly through Anchorage because you couldn't fly over uh, Russia, obviously. Um, then later, after a few years, he let his family come over and live with him in Amsterdam. So my... Um, the guy that I met for the day basically uh, grew up in the Netherlands, always went to Dutch school, although he had Japanese parents and spoke Japanese at home. All his friends were Dutch and uh, yeah, he was really suffused or infused with the Dutch culture and atmosphere. So did he come to that first time you met him? Was he in uh, the Netherlands or were you in Japan? Yeah, we were in the Netherlands, so we okay. went for a date. I lived in Rotterdam at the time, and he, he lived in Amsterdam. And I didn't have any notions of what would happen besides having lunch and listen to his uh, backstory. And uh, then after the date, he was like, oh, can I kiss you? And we were we met on the beach. and. The sun was setting and we had this romantic walk along the shore. And then later we had the sushi dinner. Oh. And uh, yeah, so the things progressed and he asked me to move in with him in Amsterdam. And then when we lived together for five years, he asked me, how would you feel about maybe um, living in Tokyo for like two, three years? And uh, I said, yeah, sure, S see if you can find a job. I'm okay with that. And really, I thought, well, either it's going to be fine and I'll get a job. And uh, I mean, my English is not too bad. I'm assuming that the large corporations will have English as the main language. And if worse comes to worse, it's only two, three years. I can put my career on hold for a bit. And then when I come back, I'll just pick up where I left off. Or maybe I can get a job at the embassy, something that doesn't require Japanese. So I went wow. there and uh, then, yeah, things were just totally different. And it was really hard for me to find a job because everywhere I went, they were like, okay, so you're fluent in Japanese. I'm like, uh, not really. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I'll call you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I was like, oh, okay, you know, I'll just study Japanese full time for a year. And then after a year, I'll be fluent and then I'll get a job. So I was studying, studying, studying. And still, even my husband, who is, we married um, before going to Japan because I needed uh, the marriage license for a visa. Even sure. though he is uh, Japanese, uh, still the first two years of him coming to Japan, he was always apologizing and saying, if I say something stupid, it's because I grew up in Netherlands. Uh, so my Japanese might not be perfect. And people were checking his emails before he was even allowed to send them out uh, because of the Japanese. Oh. So even he took two years to perfect his Japanese. So how could I expect to become fluent in one year? Uh, right. but at the time, I had these grandiose thoughts like, oh, I'll just manage. 
don't worry, I'll take care of it. I will be the exception. Uh, so no. Um, Not yeah, yet. Then, uh, yeah, two years in, I was like, oh my God, what am I gonna do? I'm never going to get fluent. I'm never going to get the hang of this language. And uh, a friend came over and I was complaining like, oh, I hate it here. And uh, she was like, um, why don't you start your own company? And I thought, my own company? I can barely speak the language. I'm going to oh. even start a company. I, I haven't even had a company in my own country where I do speak the language. How am I going to do that here? And uh, she said, oh, you know, you should uh, do guided tours because you know so much about Japan and you know so much about the background and the culture and everything. And uh, just set up a website and create an email account and I will take care of the rest. So I thought, oh, this is going to be one of those cases where someone is like, yeah, 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 for sure. I'm going to help you. And then you never hear from them again. Right. So, but just in case, I thought, oh, let's just create a website and see how it goes. So I did that. I didn't prepare anything else because I was like 90% sure nothing would come of it. And then after right. one week, I received my first email like, hey, I read somewhere that you do guided tours and I would really book, would like to book with you and uh, I'm coming next week and can you take care of me? And uh, I literally fell off my chair uh, <laughs> from shock, like, oh my God, I was so not expecting that. I didn't prepare anything. I don't have an itinerary <laughs> or anything. So I was just scrambling to get it done. and. Um, yeah, so wow. uh, right away it was kind of like a flying start, as they say in Dutch. So uh, yeah, that's how I got into Japan and started my company. And uh, yeah, it, it's been an amazing roller coaster ride, except for the whole COVID situation. I mean, it was pretty wild in Japan, Tokyo over there. Uh, how much everything was? I mean. Compared to where I was, from what I saw, I mean, I, I wasn't in Japan, but I mean, from what I saw, it was pretty locked down everywhere. And um, Well, yeah, the thing was, um, they were going to host the Olympics in 2020. Oh, yeah. So going into oh. 2020, it was supposed to be the best year ever. We just had the rugby uh thing going on the world championships or whatever um at the end of 2019 so we're like yeah let's get ready for the olympics and so many bookings and then january february the country was locked down for um korea and uh, china so you we were like okay uh -huh. opportunities no more chinese buses there's more room for our european and american uh, tourists uh, who want to take pictures and do not like 40 uh, chinese people standing in front of them um so right. we were very hopeful and optimistic and then suddenly it was like oh yeah change of plans no one's going in or out so uh yeah that was pretty devastating because our season basically starts in March and the end of February is when they close down the country oh. so just when we got ready to get going then it was like uh uh, -uh this is not gonna happen and the schools close and um, it was uh learned from home and also you know 
people always think, oh, Japan is such a sophisticated country. Uh, technology is through the roof. Uh, uh, so uh, if I go to Japan, everything will be automated. And this is going to be amazing experience. But actually, that is very far from the truth because you need to imagine that the average age, especially in corporate Japan, is 50 plus. And they're oh. not the most uh, technologically advanced people out there. So they work with desktop computers. Laptops is not really a thing. <laughs> Some computers uh. even have the floppy disk still. So they're working with these ancient <laughs> programs. Uh, uh, like last year, they decided to phase out the floppy disk finally, because they thought, oh yeah, maybe we should do something about that. So the work yeah. from home thing was a total disaster because a lot of people oh. couldn't couldn't physically work from home. They didn't have the the tools to do that, wow. so they needed to go into the office. So yeah, it was terrible, and uh, so many people got sick, and then the whole xenophobia started. Like um, a lot of shops would have signs, "Foreigners not welcome." or in public buildings, there would be signs on the elevator saying, this elevator is only for Japanese people. If you are non-Japanese, please use the other elevator. So, so were you saying like, I'm married to a Japanese guy or were they just like, hey, uh, woman from the Netherlands, get yeah, out of no here. Exceptions, you know, like uh, if I were going to the subway, then I would get dirty looks from people or they would be really, surprised because there was this whole exodus of people leaving Japan during COVID and going back home or were unable to come back in. Like a friend of mine, she needed to go to a funeral and she has kids and the family and everything. And then Japan said, okay, well, F you, we don't care. Wow. You're not going coming back in. So she couldn't see her kids for months. No kids. And uh yeah, so, uh, yeah, for me too, like I would get on the subway and people would either re react like, oh, you escaped from a zoo, what happened? What are you doing here? Or they would just be like a look of total disgust and they would get up and uh, uh, sit somewhere else or standing in line and get out of the line and go to the other side. And even uh, with the travel restrictions, you know, of course, Japanese people uh, were able to travel in and out and the rules were just not as stringent. And Western people or non-Japanese people, they have to jump through so many hoops and the Japanese government were like, oh, you know, Japanese people cannot, uh, obviously they cannot be the, the bearer of uh, the bringer of COVID. So we're not going to check them so well whereas foreign non-japanese people were unable to even come into the country and then later you had to quarantine in a hotel for weeks and every time there was a new outbreak it was because of a japanese person <laughs> getting infected first so you know they really stoked all the fear and the xenophobia and the let's kill all foreigners because they are horrible so I'm bring their disease. That, yeah, that we are finally getting past that, and the Japanese people are more open to foreigners again. But yeah, during COVID, it was really tough and 
really uncomfortable how people reacted and you know even now uh of course you don't necessarily need to wear a mask anymore the restriction has been lifted but still everywhere you go people wear the mask because they're like yeah you know you never know and so if you don't wear it you start to feel uncomfortable and like oh everyone is looking at me and everyone is wearing it maybe i should put it on too like yeah, it's kind of odd yeah when uh with that how yeah there's a lot of people like what well, wait why are you wearing it it's like if you see someone you know like three four people running down the street away from like well what are you what, running away from should i start yeah, running too exactly. like uh oh this is trouble this is trouble here and uh so uh are you when you moved there were you so you were were you in tokyo tokyo like uh, in yes. the city prop so they were it wasn't like a big shock to see someone in tokyo that's blonde hair and uh white skin and yeah. stuff like that or did you i mean did you go to did was it you know uh uh i mean did you feel like you stuck out at places or did you go into smaller towns or anything and well the thing is uh, when i first came to japan it was also a strange year because it was 2011 which was the year of the tsunami so in oh. march the tsunami came and the earthquakes of course and also in tokyo as well so a lot of foreigners had left the country so there were very few uh, foreigners left and very few coming in because everyone was afraid of kushima with the nuclear power plant what's going to happen is it going to explode how about the water uh we heard that uh there's um radioactive material in the sea and the land has gotten contaminated and how about the soil and the vegetables so all of the foreigners anyone who was able to leave just left japan so it was actually quite extraordinary to walk wow. around as a foreigner back then but the plus side was it was really easy to get an apartment uh, especially <laughs> around the city center which is really hard to find generally speaking you have to move really fast and also that's another thing we had to get used to so faxes uh, fax machines that's still a thing in japan so even now even now yeah so oftentimes if you want to apply for an apartment you have to fill everything out and send it by fax and uh, of course we didn't know where to find a fax machine because we didn't have one of our own so one of the apartments <laughs> we couldn't get because we were too late faxing in the details but uh yeah well, so again japan is not as advanced as most people think yeah but, uh, yeah so it was quite challenging at first and you know total culture shock and i came to japan and even Google Maps didn't exist at the time. So I had this booklet with the <laughs> fold out map. I'm like, okay, where do I need to go? No one spoke English. And uh, oh. I was like, oh, as long as I can get into the subway, then I know what subway station to get out of and I know which exit to take so I can go back home. So fortunately, uh, that was uh, good. And the subway system is quite 
extensive the trains go every two minutes so um, oh. very safe and clean but yeah i mean my husband would be like oh okay you pick up some rice and then i would be in this aisle and both sides would be <laughs> rice like 85 <laughs> different kinds of rice and i would be like it seems like it's both rice right right <laughs> what what's even the difference like okay this one's cheaper let me get this one so I would come home and my husband was like, oh my God, I cannot let you do one single thing. Even buying something simple as rice, you can mess up. And like, there's like 85 different kinds. How am I supposed right. to know? I cannot read what's on it. It seems all the same to me. <laughs> and yeah, was like, yeah, this is totally wrong. This is for use for this and this. this is not everyday normal rice. I'm like, well, next time you go get it. Yeah. So, or have some good picture of it to be able yeah. to match up. Uh, yeah, so you can show it like, yeah. Yeah, I, I want, want one of these. Yeah, yeah, you know, and like different vegetables that you, you've never seen before in your life. You're like, what am I supposed to do with this? Is this edible even? Do, do you cook it or stir fry it or whatever? So that and, um, you know, the the fish that they had like whole fishes so not oh. filleted everything the head the intestines everything was there I was like okay let's put up a youtube video how to clean a fish oh okay this looks challenging so and then the the uh skin of the fish the the scales the yeah. whole kitchen was covered in skills because I didn't know you had to do something about it to prevent it from going everywhere so like three oh. months after there were still scales everywhere so, so how how that go when you you found out so you you have a fish that's still very fish looking mm -hmm. and uh you take it home and you find out you have to cook it and take fillet it, it so yeah take it apart so, I mean, what was that you got you have to, I mean, have you ever done anything like that before? That no, point? never, never. So the first time I didn't know that a fish needed to be descaled. So we tried to eat it and it was horrible because there were scales everywhere. Wow. And then the second time I was like, okay, so I need to take care of the scales, but then they flew everywhere and also to, to cut fillet it properly and to take out all the intestines I was like oh my god this is so horrible I mean I'm like maybe in the United States it's more common to go fishing and to cook your own fish but the Netherlands Somewhat. is not really a thing so not many people do that if they go camping they go to a campsite with electricity and running water and hot and cold showers that kind of thing so the whole going to the woods and camping and and catch your own meal or kill an animal or something like that that's not really a thing in the Netherlands so that was the first time I ever bought a protein that wasn't pre-packaged that I just needed to heat up so to speak so are you cooking that now or is that are you enjoying cooking fish now different kinds of fish or oh yeah yeah yeah. I mean it was challenging to get used to cooking this way but and of course the Japanese houses 
because we are staying not in we were staying in an ex not in an expat place as those are typically uh made for expats but yeah at a proper japanese place so everything is super low i'm not really tall i'm like five five so that's not crazy tall but for japanese standards it is so if you want to cook you're hunched over like that Ooh. when you want to brush your teeth you have to go like this to even look in the mirror and to wash your hands go like that so yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely if you take a bath you need to curl up your knees because otherwise you cannot stretch out your legs because it doesn't fit so so uh, how's that been uh i mean yeah i've had one of my places i was at a few years ago uh that i would look in the mirror and the mirror would come up to here yeah, and so, exactly. like, and all right. like this. Yeah, yep. Yeah, or it just yeah hits you like right about here. And you're like, okay, well, uh, I'm gonna I go and get down that. here. And, and, oh, and then yeah, all of a sudden, uh, your your back doesn't feel too great, and like, okay, well, um, because yeah, even today I was at a um like a cash machine to go, you know, get like ATM or whatever, uh, and it was down super low. I had to, you know, duck down to do it. And yeah. it's, it's tough. And so, and then, um, so yeah, you got small, small baths. Uh, yeah, everything yes. is so tiny and the, the chairs are small. It's like you're going into kindergarten when you go into some of the restaurants, like, <laughs> is this meant for adults? Come on. <laughs> are you kidding me? Yeah, I, uh, is there is there a way for people to have is that only in the expat houses will they do bigger stuff for for them and yeah more um like uh dishwashers aren't a thing in japan so unless oh. you live in an expat apartment your apartment is most likely not going to have a dishwasher because wow. Japanese don't believe in that they feel it's nonsense it's better to wash your uh cutlery and everything by hand so oh. uh, yeah so is that that's something that's yeah, do, do you, yeah I was it's like oh my god how can i not have a dishwasher that's like basic appliance and a lot of the um, uh washing machines i think it's the same in the united states they're like top loaders where you have to put everything from the top yeah. and i used to front loaders where you can just stuff it in and they don't have um, hot water so you have this tube that you so you need to fill up the bathtub first with hot water and then there's this tube that you have to put from the um, washing machine into the tub so it can draw the hot water from the tub Whoa. but uh, it's so annoying and so cumbersome and the first time i had to do this like what and then if it's not incorrectly then it starts to actually take the water from the washing machine to the bath and uh it's, it's a whole thing so in the end i just i was just washing without hot water just with cold water only like oh my god yeah, it's probably, so probably a good idea and so I, I mean what else have you found that you would have never thought you would really be into there um that you've just really enjoyed doing 
or like are you taking the people are you taking those people on your on your tours are you taking them are you you know are you still saving some places that you're really you know hold near and dear to your heart like those are those are my places i'm not going to take you there but i'm gonna i'm gonna take you the next best place but like i always felt if i had a tour i would there'd be a few places i'd kind of keep keep quiet but um or are you going to more places where there's a lot of other tours people with flags and stuff to know where you are or what's your I mean, it, it depends. Uh, depends on what the client wants. Some people want to focus mostly on the highlights because they're only in Tokyo for like one or two days. And other people have been to Japan before or they just don't like the really touristy places. So there's lots of weird temples around Japan as well. So for instance, in Tokyo, there's one temple where they can bless your handbag. Uh, so oh. there's ceremony and they do this whole thing with smoke and then uh, all the evil is washed away from your handbag and prosperity will come in and that kind of thing and there's another one outside of Tokyo that's uh, like a money laundering temple so they have these special baskets and you need to put your money in the basket and there's special water and you have to do this whole ritual with washing your money and then the money you put in the basket will come uh, back to you so after you spend it then in some way uh, good fortune will uh, chase you and uh, you will I don't know get a bonus or win some money in the lottery or whatever uh, so those are a couple of places that are quite unusual and you know there's also lots of restaurants where they only have a menu in Japanese no English menu or it's a handwritten menu so even if you try to use the uh google translate uh, it still won't give you any notion of what it says because google translate cannot recognize the handwritten uh, uh kanji so yeah we like to take most of the time uh, at least include one or two sites that uh, the client would most likely not have found on their own or would not have been able to uh, go on their own to give them a more authentic experience unless they insist <laughs> to go to Denny's or to only see the major sites I mean we have people like that as well or to eat pizza or something so yeah whatever you want if that's what makes you happy we'll do that I, I have a buddy who just made a video he lives in uh, California and he made a video of all the American stuff in uh, in Tokyo and one of the things is Denny's like, I'm going to go to Tokyo and then, you know, uh, about eating at Denny's. He didn't actually eat at Denny's, but it was like making fun of people who are, you know, going there and eating at all the American places. But yeah, um, yeah like Wendy's and Denny's, yeah. McDonald's, and whatever floats your boat, uh, you know, it's uh, you're paying. So it's fine. If that's right. what you want. I'm not going to insist that you have to go to this uh, hole in the wall. Uh, if you prefer McDonald's, then fine, have your Big Mac. Yeah, okay, we'll go to McDonald's. Yeah. And so if you have, you go to a somewhere, I guess, I mean, let's say the first few days you were there, you found out you're going to Tokyo um, and you have like, I guess a full day is kind of a, so like, where would you want to go 
as far as like what kinds of places and what mode of transportation would you want to have? Well, the public transport is amazing in Japan. So you can just take the subway. You can take a, buy a day card for like 700 yen. And uh, that doesn't oh. cover all the subway lines, but the major ones are covered by it. So I feel it's a much better deal than uh, getting the um, Pasmo or Suka. So basically, Pasmo and Suka are uh, like um, cards you can top off. So you can also use it as a payment um, card, like a kind of like a debit card in shops. And you can also use it in public transportation and it just deducts every individual ride. But if you travel a bit to different destinations in Tokyo, so at least two or three rides, then it makes more sense to just get the day pass because it comes out way cheaper. Um, and where to go? Yeah, there's so many places and um, like Tokyo alone, just the city center has 8 million people living there, 8 to 9 million. And wow. if you take the greater Tokyo area, it's 38 million people. So, wow. and then there's lots of local things going on, like in spring, you have the cherry blossoms and then you have the wisteria and hydrangea and firework festivals and music festivals and food festivals so it's really difficult to narrow it down and then all the temples they also have their own little festivals um so yeah and it really depends on what you're into like uh, the museums are amazing and really cheap um, so especially in summer when it's crazy hot, right, right now it's uh, Tsuyu, so the um, uh, rainy season, uh, so that is going to end um, early July, and then July and August going to be crazy hot. I don't know what it is in Fahrenheit, but in centigrade it's like around 40 degrees with 90% oh. like humidity. Oh. Uh, so yeah, you might want to, uh, from 12 to 2, uh, go to a, a museum and uh, enjoy the air conditioning. Um, what about you? If you're going to, let's, let's not even say Tokyo, if you're going to some other place, you're going to some town, what's the first thing you want to go see or experience? yeah it really depends on where you are going and what time of year it is like japan is a really long stretched out country so if you put it on its side it goes from uh iceland uh to istanbul so if you cover uh, the europe it, it's that big so also climate wise it has snowy mountains it has mountain ranges it has volcanoes it has hot springs it has farmlands fields it has tropical islands the best snow in the world from what i'm told because i absolutely despise anything to do with snow <laughs> um so yeah there's rock climbing there's there's islands everywhere um there's so many things to do so one of my favorite places is okinawa because it's more relaxed, more laid back, like the island atmosphere. The There's a huge uh, American base. So it's, in my um, opinion, 
more internationally minded than, for instance, Tokyo. Tokyo is really kind of uh, a lot of government workers. Uh, so everything is like in boxes and everything has to be by the rules and there's no exception and everyone is just following the person in front of them. Whereas Okinawa is slightly more laid back and people are a bit more friendly and like the mahalo kind of <laughs> atmosphere. So yeah, I prefer to go there. The only downside is that the public transportation is not really great. So you need to rent a car and be able to drive on the left side of the road. Oh yeah. Right. So uh, yeah, that takes a little getting used to. But um, yeah, there's so many nice beaches. It's not as crowded. There's more room, and uh, it's just easier to relax. Everything is just. When I get to Okinawa, I'm like, oh, okay, this is so relaxing. I really enjoy it. I mean, except for the food, because you Americans. Brought spam to Okinawa. Oh. Can, can I tell you about spam real, real quick? Oh, yeah, 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 please. Okay, so I used to live in Austin, Minnesota, um, which is Minnesota's like middle of the country, sort of like up north. Yeah. Um, and the place I lived was five minutes of a walk from the spam museum. Mm, interesting. And I, I lived right uh, like not I don't know, like uh, half a kilometer, not even that, probably a oh, lot less than that, yeah. from the where they the rendering plant where they go and they the slaughterhouse. Uh, so I I tried spam one time and I once I once I smelled that that smell and I was like yeah so spam I, I didn't mean to interrupt you about spam but. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Smells like food to me. Yep. I don't know how that got around or who who thought that was a good idea, but um yeah, I, I yeah, no thanks to spam. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, but it's a delicacy in uh, Okinawa and they put it in freaking oh. everything. So almost all dishes have spam somewhere. I'm like <laughs> <laughs> No, thank yeah. you. Yeah, no thanks. No thanks at all. Yeah. And so I guess the last thing I want to ask you. So um, what's your favorite Japanese uh, word or phrase? Ah, that... yeah. Well, I have a few. So when I first started learning Japanese, I really fell in love with the word murasaki, which means purple. And the only yeah. reason is because I, I feel it's uh, it kind of rolls off the tongue and I like the sound of it. So when I first learned the word, I just kept saying Murasaki the whole time. Like, oh, it's so <laughs> good. Um, and like, uh, purple. Yeah, yeah. Same, yeah. same purple all the time. What, yeah. What's going on with her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she's weird. <laughs> Never mind her. She's a foreigner. So just, uh, yeah. She likes uh, purple. Yeah, the color purple. <laughs> Um, so that, and uh, I really like the word uh, choto, uh, which what? means a little, but basically, okay. uh, like literally it means a little, but depending on the situation and the context and who's saying it and your facial expression and how you're saying it, it can mean so many different things. So. Oh. 
Japanese is a high context language, which means that like English is a low context language. So you're very direct and you say what's on your mind and what you see is what you get kind of thing. Whereas in Japan, they feel that if you are very direct, it's actually insulting because then you assume that the person you're talking to is stupid and unable to understand what you're trying to convey wow. unless you're you're super direct so only for children you are direct and for adults you have to be very effusive and and kind of go around so wow. if someone uh, asks you something uh, you can just go oh chotto and it's usually not something good. So like, no, it's not possible or get out of my way or don't, I don't want to be bothered with you or uh, forget about it or like that kind of connotation. So, or yeah, just, um, uh, yeah, or it's going to take a while or yeah. So it's usually not super positive in any case. Good to know. Yeah. And so, Nikki, where can everyone find you on the internet or wherever they want to find you in the world? Yeah, well, you can, uh, if you want to contact me personally, you can go to my Instagram page. I'm Nikki underscore Amsterdam. So N-I-C-K-I underscore Amsterdam. Uh, and you can find me on all social media platforms under my company name, which is Tokyo Tours. And Tokyo is spelled the Dutch way, so not the English way. So that's with an I instead of a Y. So T-O-K-I-O and then Tours, T-O-U-R-S. And I have two websites, tokyotours.nl and tokyotours.com. Uh, yeah, so that's basically uh, how you can find me. I'm on all the platforms, so just uh, drop me a DM or um, follow me on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or wherever. Perfect. Okay, well, uh, yeah. Well, wait, hold on. One more question then. So what do you do on TikTok? Uh, what, what's what's your thing you like? Okay. Yeah, so basically some uh, short videos about Japan, like why you should get a tour guide or like uh, things you didn't know about Japan or like um, uh, those kind of uh, ex explanatory uh, videos. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, hey, well, hey, Nikki, thank you so much. Uh, awesome talking to you again to meet you. Yeah. And yeah. And don't and, forget uh, to follow Miko-chan from Amsterdam. There you go. That too. Yeah. Excellent. Well, hey, have a great rest of your day and uh, yeah, we'll keep in touch. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. It's All right. Fun. Yeah. Uh, maybe I can figure this out. There we go. All right. Uh, that was Nikki. Give her a follow and give, give her a cat a follow too. I mean, you got to hear a lot about the cat. So uh, thank you so much for showing up here and listening and making it to the end here on the Quantum Global Broadcasting Network, QGBN, with other great shows such as When the Gloves Come Off, the Thinking Man's Pro Wrestling Podcast. This is it with Lizzie and Saved by the Ben, sponsored by Fred Ben Savage's Buck, Stone Reese Productions, Hardcore Comedy, Hypnosis is Great, and Sockemup.org. Thank you, everyone. Like, subscribe, share, do all that other stuff. You know how to do it. And that's the show, man. Boom!
It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Ernest! 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 <coughs> yes, Pee-wee. You brought the snacks, right? <laughs>